Hey there, my name is Ben Ramos, and you are listening to the Rise Church Podcast. We are a church in southeastern Idaho that is dedicated to sound biblical theology, coupled with the authentic power of God. Our true hope is that this podcast will help you to continue to grow and taking steps in your relationship with Jesus. I hope you feel empowered today. I hope you feel encouraged today, and I hope you feel uplifted. God bless you. Enjoy the podcast. want to continue our series this morning through the book of Joshua. We're walking through it together as a family with this lens of recognizing that the people of Israel are going through a time where God has set a promise before them, and now they are walking towards claiming that promise. Okay, not just looking at the promise, but actually taking action to take it captive, to grab a hold of these promises that God has placed before them, and we're grappling with the text. We're grappling with this story. We're, we're trying to understand from it. And I, as we do so, as we want to be shaped by this, we walk this line. We walk this line of saying, we recognize that these were people in the Bible in that there are specific things that we can learn from the principles, and yet we don't want to pull directly the, exactly what this is saying into our own lives. And so we walk, we walk this line, and to help us do this in a productive and helpful and beneficial way, I've posed some questions that we ought to ask ourselves every single time we read any type of Bible story, any section of the Bible. So when we read the Bible, we're seeking to be transformed by it. This is the instruction from God as we would read the Bible. We want to be transformed by it. We want to look at it as if it's a mirror and it's showing us the ways that we need to grow. So we're, we're saying we are going to be transformed by this and we ought to bring these questions. The questions are these. What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about the world? What does this tell me about humanity? What does this tell me about God's relationship with humanity, and what do I need to do with this? And so every time, whether you're reading through the book of Joshua here together, or if we're reading through the New Testament or anywhere else in the Bible, these are questions that we have to be asking and seeking to be answered by the Bible itself. And so in that vein, we've seen in the storyline so far, after freeing Israel from the captivity of Egypt under the leadership of Moses, he dies. Joshua is appointed as the next commander of the armies of the north. Uh, anyways, uh, of the people of Israel, right? And we recognize that this wasn't random. This wasn't a random guy stepping into a random thing, leading a random people. This was very specific. God is a prepper. God has prepared. He has prepared people for this moment. And we looked at that, and we recognized that, whoa, not only does this happen with Joshua, but Jesus also prepared the disciples for the next season that they were going to walk into. And the father also kept Jesus himself in obscurity for 30-some years before he would step into ministry. God's a prepper. And so just the same way that God prepped Joshua then and the same way that God prepared his disciples in the New Testament is the same way that God is preparing you. He has prepared you for the things in your life that you're going through now, and he is going to be preparing you for the things that are coming yet in the future. So we saw how God had promised the people of Israel this land that's on the other side of the Jordan, but it wasn't theirs yet. God had given them a promise, 
but it wasn't yet in their hands. It wasn't yet in their, in their ownership. And so we've been going through and just kind of listing out what are the essentials. If we want to be those who not only just see the promises of God and hear the promises of God, what are the essential things that we do to step in and claim those promises that God has given us? And so we've talked about how essential to claiming the promises of God for your life is stewarding well the seasons of waiting. I know it's not fun, it's not fancy, it's not pretty, it's not sparkly. It's not, as my daughter Gracie would say, unicornish. Right? It, it, it's, not, it's not that, but it's necessary. It's required. We have seasons of waiting, and we have to steward that season of waiting well. As Israel had been waiting for God to fulfill this promise, we saw that waiting on God is seldom equal with sitting in one place. So the way that we often think of waiting is like waiting for the bus, right? Where's the bus? Where's the bus? I'm waiting. Where's my promise? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But what waiting looks like more often than not in the Bible is us taking steps. We got to take steps towards, towards those, those promises. Israel had sent spies into the promised land to check it out. The majority of those spies came back and they were talking about what? How big those enemies were, Right? And so a requirement for claiming God's promises in our life is choosing to focus on how big God is, not how small we are. How able, how strong, how faithful God is, not my lack of preparedness for this moment. A requirement for claiming God's promise in our life is choosing to focus on how big God is, not how small we are. Now, after learning from some background um, in the book of Joshua, we read a little bit more last week. We read that God said to Israel, every place that the sole of your foot would step, I have given it to you. And so there was a requirement that before they claim it, that they had to be stepping. They had to be taking those steps in that, in that direction. If they wouldn't get to stepping, I couldn't think of something that rhymed. Sorry, Nick. If they wouldn't get to stepping, they would never acquire the promise of, of God. And we understood this as one of the ways that God relates to hum, humanity, that God uh, works in our lives. It's not a, a robot thing where he's making us do every little thing. He calls us into it. We've got those steps to take. And so a requirement for claiming the promises of God in our life is to step towards those promises. We've gone through all of that in just the first few verses, and so I want to continue on in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. If you've got your phones, you can go there. I think we've also got them up on the screen or will momentarily. And so let's go ahead and read through this. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. We're going to do a little bit of recap. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. I like that. I like that. Arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I'd promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, 
all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, this shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? You think God's trying to get a point across here? Be strong and courageous. Are you reading the same verse over and over again? No, God says it multiple times so that, he, so that it sets in. If, if you start to realize that things keep happening in your life and you keep hearing some of the same things, that may be God just wanting to make sure that you don't miss it. I'm grateful for it because I miss it a lot. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so essentially what we see taking place here is that God ensures Joshua that he's the guy. You're, you're the one I've prepared for this. You're the one I've placed in this position. I'm, I'm calling you into this. And God gives Joshua some instructions. And I, in my mind, I break down this instruction to Joshua in four different, um, four different parts. God gives the goal, the mission. Right? I think it's so helpful that God will give us missions in our life. He'll show us what he's calling us to do. I like how specific he is with Joshua also. Because he says, from, from right here, from this side of the Jordan, all the way to the great river, there's, there's boundaries. Right? This, is, this, is what I'm, 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 this is what your goal is. This is what you're to do. This is what you are to expect. The second thing, so that's the goal, that's the objective of the mission. God also communicates what he should expect God to do, what Joshua should expect God to do. And this is so helpful. As we live our lives, as we're stepping towards our promises, to know the difference between what God is supposed to do and we are supposed to do. Because how often is it that we end up trying to do the things that God says he's going to do? And we're toiling and we're working all, after all of this and, and we're trying to figure out why is life so heavy? Why is this so hard? Because you're trying to do God's stuff. You weren't supposed to do God's stuff. Let God do the God stuff and you do what you're supposed to do. This removes so much pressure from trying to achieve all of the, all of the stuff. It really, simplifies, it really simplifies life when you know what to expect God to do. And so as you read through scripture and as you uh, walk with Jesus, listen for those things that God says that he's going to do. We see this in verse five. It says, no man shall stand, be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That, that's a God thing. God's gonna make that happen. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. That's, that's a God responsibility. 
That's what God is doing. My presence will be here with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's, that's a God thing, right? And so God communicates the goal, the mission, the objective, and then what to expect God to do. And then he communicates to Joshua what his leadership is to be defined by. We get these words sometimes where God will speak over us who he has called us to be, the attitude, the demeanor in which we're supposed to function and live and, and lead. Right? I, I've heard the God, uh, God speak to me that you are to be bold like a lion. And this is something that, that marks me because I'm not naturally that way. But God has called me to put this on. This is to be your character. And so we think through some of those promises that God has given us, and in order to get to those promises and grab a hold and claim the promises that he's given us, he's often calling us to be of a certain character, to, to live in such a way. And so what was this way that Joshua was supposed to live? Somebody. Be strong and courageous. He spoke this over and over and over again. This is who I want you to be. Not only this is who I want you to be, but this is who you need to be in order to step into who I'm calling you to be and to achieve the things I'm calling you to achieve. So God speaks the goal, the mission, what, what to expect God to do, what uh, Joshua's leadership is to be defined by, and then how Joshua is supposed to live his life in order to be defined by such a way. And so that's something we're gonna break down a little bit more here in the next few minutes. This, this title of the, the message is part four, Strong and Courageous. We're just keeping it simple this morning. Strong and Courageous. And I, wa I, wanna, make, I wanna make a claim. I wanna do three things. I wanna make a claim. I want to validate the claim. And I want to give practical steps for us to step into that claim, okay? And so here, here's the first thing. Here's, here's the claim. Acquiring God's promises for your life requires being strong, that strong, just a pop, requires being strong and, and courageous. That's the claim. Acquiring God's promises for your life requires being strong and courageous. Now, I want to reiterate that simply from looking at this passage, from reading this story, um, that we can't get this directly from this scripture. We can't read this, God speaking to Joshua, and say, oh, God is calling me to be strong and courageous. We can't get that directly from, from here, right? Context tells us that God is speaking to Joshua, right? As, as a historical event, this is what, what took place, um, and he's speaking to Joshua, who is a chosen leader um, of a specific people. Now, although we're not Joshua, we are leaders. You know that? I, I don't, if you haven't heard that in the past week, you are a leader. God's given you influence over some area in your life, and God's called you to, to lead in that, in that area. Okay? So you are, you are a, a leader. Although we're not leading God's elect nation, we are leading people who God has chosen specifically for our lives. Let me tell you something I believe and it makes you really, really important. I believe that there are people in your life that I can't reach. I believe that there are people in your life that our ministry team cannot reach. I believe that you are specifically positioned and gifted and formed and shaped and empowered to reach the people that are in your life. I believe that. That makes you very important. 
makes you very important. So if you haven't heard that this week, you, you, are, you are important. And so as we would read through the story, we recognize that we're not Joshua, but we are leaders. We're not leading God's elect nation, but we are leading specific people. And so we must take into consideration, God speaks, be strong and courageous. And we acknowledge that in the context of it, God has prepared Joshua for this moment. And he's also, by speaking this, preparing him for the things to come in his life and in his ministry. In order for Joshua to claim the promise of God, he will have to be strong and courageous. Now, again, it sounds, it sounds nice. It sounds fiery. It, it sounds sparkly and unicornish uh, for, for us to say, that's for me. That's for me. It, it's, nice. It's, it's nice to be able to turn your page in any Bible and say, oh, that, that sounds good. I'll take that part. But that's not the way the Bible works, right? And so we have to take this claim that we're reading from this scripture. And the claim is acquiring God's promises for our life requires being strong and courageous. And now we have to ask the question, would this claim be congruent with how God speaks throughout the rest of the scriptures? And would this be something that God would say to me? And so let's work towards validating this claim in, in the scriptures. Let's look at some of the ways that God would speak to new, uh, the New Testament believer, like each of us would be, as those who have taken a hold of this salvation that we have as a gift from God in the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus. Would he tell us to be strong? Is that something that we see throughout the Bible? Would he tell us to be courageous? Is this a part of our required ident identity in order to claim the promises that he has on our life? and the promises that he has on the lives of Christians today. Let's begin to answer that question. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1.6. says, for this reason, this is God speaking through the apostle Paul to Timothy, and it's really important to recognize like some of the context and the relationship here, because Timothy was a disciple of, of Paul. In the same way that the disciples were disciples of Jesus, right? Paul has invited Timothy to come along with him in journeys. He has uh, exampled what it is to be in the kingdom of God. He has spoken and t taught what it is to be in the kingdom of God, right? All these parts of discipleship. And then he sent him out and he's come back and they've talked through it and they've worked through it. And now God is speaking to Timothy through Paul, and it says, for this reason, I reminded you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. And so we learn a little bit of Timothy's history. There was a point when Timothy was being sent out, when people laid hands on him and prayed, and they said, in the name of Jesus, we just proclaim that there are giftings in this man empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that we would see those gifts come forth. And as they did that, there were spiritual gifts that came out that empowered Timothy to do the ministry that he was, he was called to. And so Paul is saying to him, fan those gifts into flame. I've been watching this, this series um, called Alone. Uh, and these people are out in the wilderness and they're, they're living out on their own. And one of the things you do, one of the requirements is to have fire in order to survive in the wilderness. And so they're learning how to build these fires and they'll have little embers in there. And one of the things they'll do is they'll, 
They'll blow it. They'll fan this into flame. Make it larger. You've got to give to this fire more oxygen so that there would be more, more fire. And Paul is saying the same thing in terms of spiritual gifts. Fan that into flame. Take steps in it. Grow in it. Hone those gifts. I don't know who that's for, but someone needs to continue to give focus to pressing in to those gifts that God has, has given you. Verse 7 for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Some Bibles would say of a sound mind. And there are a few different ways that the Bible would talk about fear, and we may just happen to get to those in a few minutes. Um, but in the context, God is speaking to Timothy here, writing through Paul. He's saying essentially this. Here's, here's the, uh, the Ben translation, the new Ben translation. It's in order for you to be who you've been created to be, in order for you to lead the way that you are supposed to lead, in order for you to claim the promises that God has placed on your life, you must live not in the demeanor of fear or give way to any false spirits that would incite fear. You must not live in this, this way. And in this, in this charge... It says, fan into flame the gifts that God has given you. Don't give in to fear. And here's the how and, and the why of, of that, not to live in fear. If anyone's struggling with it, it comes not from your own might, but it comes from the power of God. It says, the spirit of God that is in you, the spirit that is, is in you is one who's characterized by these two things, of power, Right? This alludes to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we see throughout the Bible, this encouragement to allow God to work through us and empower us. The spirit that's in you is of power and of self-control or sound mind, which alludes to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control, done by the power of the Spirit. In other words, as we would abide in our relationship with God, as we would listen to how he's shaping us, then we would take steps in obedience and there would be fruit that comes out of our lives, which would be these things. And so essentially what God is doing is he's charging Timothy, boy, be strong. From the place of knowing the power that's inside of you. This is also the birthplace of courage. From knowing what's inside of you. Let's keep looking. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul's instructions to the Corinthians. He says, be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. What is God saying? Church, be strong and courageous. This is who I'm calling you to be. In Isaiah chapter 40, is it in the nature of God to call us to be strong? Isaiah chapter 40 I think it's uh, verse 28. It says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the, he's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. So he goes to the end and he created the end and before anything else, there, there he was. This is our, our God. He does not faint or grow weary. Someone say praise God right there because that's good. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives 
This now goes un, uh, brings us into understanding this as anyone within the creation of God, anyone under this banner of the creation of God. Was anybody created by God here? Yep, that means this applies to me. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, what does he do? He increases strength. Even youths shall fall faint and be weary, and young men shall be exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. So let me ask the question. Does God strengthen his people? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask it again in a few minutes, and I'm hoping for a little bit better response that we actually know. And the cool thing is, is that not only does God call us to be strong, he actually, actually makes a way for that to happen. He actually is the one who makes us a way for stepping into that power. Check this out, John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. These are red letters. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart, be strong, have a victorious outlook because I've already won it. I've already done it. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. Listen, if we want to be a good steward of the things that God gives us, he is strengthening you. And so in order for you to be a good steward of that strength that he's giving you, you have to walk and be strong. I can be strong because God gives me strength. Let's, let's read a couple more. Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So the question, is it in the nature of God to call us to be strong and courageous? Yeah, sure, you betcha. Absolutely. And more so, God charges his people to be such as a part of them stepping into what he has set before them, i.e. claiming God's promises. So there it is. The claim has been made. The claim has been validated. Now let's get to some, some practicals. I, I love this part because uh, maybe you may have received this already from what I've just said. But let me just point it out in case you missed it. The calling of God is always accompanied by the empowerment of God. The calling of God is always accompanied by the power, empowerment of God. So God will not call you into something that he does not empower you to do. Now, there's been a false claim out there that has said that God will not put you into something that you are unable to do your, yourself. They usually don't say the yourself part, though. God often calls us to tasks that are largely impossible to accomplish. They're often outside of our realm of experience, of comfortability, of, of our ability, our power, and a lot of times out of our desire. But where God calls us, he will give us the power to do it. But where God calls us to do things, he's going he's gonna to give us those 
the power to, to be able to see it happen. You'll see this in numerous places in the Bible. I just want to give you one just to kind of reiterate and make sure we understand that this is truth, that this is biblical principle. One example, Philippians 2.4 says, let each of you look at uh, not only at his own interests, but in the interests of others. This is God calling us to do something, to be like something. We are called to look at others, uh, not by our own interests, but in the interests that they would have. It says, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, the way that the mind of Christ looks is for us to look at the desires and the needs of other people, their, their, their interests, and to put that above our own. And the question is, well, if God's calling us to do this, does he empower us to do it? Yeah, sure, you betcha. 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We can do what God calls us to because he empowers us to do it. So here in Joshua, he's making this, this charge to Joshua, be strong and courageous. The question is, how? And we take this charge to ourselves, be strong and courageous. The question is, how? How do we, how do, we do this? And I, I see this in a number of ways. The first one is this, knowing and reminding ourselves who God is. God equipped Joshua with this, of knowing who, who he is. We have to recognize that the one who gave the promise is the initiator of the promise, and he who begins something will be faithful to fulfill it. And so let me say this even more practically. If you are in Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, there are promises that are written on your life. If you have promises on your life, God is the one who spoke it, and he's the one who initiated it. If God spoke it and initiated it, he's gonna finish it. So Joshua is being empowered to be strong and courageous because of who he had on his side and who was on his inside and who we have on our inside. When we give our lives to Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and we become temples of the Holy Spirit. So who, who's on our side? Maybe we need some of that, um, that affirmation this morning of recognizing who, who is this God who's on our side? Who does the Bible say that our God is? And so I want to just quickly hit on some of the names of who God is, just to remind us, just to equip the saints for the work of ministry here this morning, declaring who God is. He is El Shaddai. These are the names that the Bible says that our God is. El Shaddai means he is the Lord, some mighty? He is the Lord Almighty. El Elyon, he is the most high God. There may be some other small g gods, but this God, this Jesus, he is the God above it all. Adonai, he is the Lord and Master. Yahweh, he is the Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. I can wave it around because victory is already there. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He is Jehovah Rapha. That means the God that heals. He is Jehovah Shema. He is the Lord that is there. Where are you looking? It doesn't matter because God is there. 
He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteous. El El Olam, he is the everlasting one. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. This is who the Bible says is in our corner, is on our side, is the initiator of the promises that he's given us and will fulfill the promises that he's placed on our life. This is who he is. So as this week, as we're looking towards claiming those promises, taking steps towards those promises that God's given us, you remind yourself of who this God is. The second thing we need to do to be strong and courageous is to consume the word of God. Again, the, uh, God told Joshua to be strong and courageous three times, and there are also three different ways that God would encourage him to be consumed by his, his word, and it makes sense why, right? God has promised to be with you, so you be with him. That's relationship. That's what we're invited into. So, the encouragement from God, the direction, the charge from God to Joshua is to know the word and not just to know the word, but to do the word, stay on it as like a straight path. You don't go to the left or to the right and you don't just stop at doing it. This is why I believe that we're all called to be disciples because we're not just charged to know the word, we're not just charged to do the word, but we're also called to keep the word on our lips to be speaking it. You take it to that level of discipleship. You think about it all the time and you just keep your mouth going with the word of God. You wanna be strong and courageous? Be consumed with the word of God. And then finally, if you wanna be strong and courageous, we actively identify and fight fear and disillusionment. Worship, if you could come and help me close. Actively identify fear and disillusionment. We do that by living our lives before the Lord and processing with him and saying, oh, this happened. God, here's what I think about it, but what do you think about it? I need your mind on this. I need to know what you, what you are seeing. So there's an awareness. And I, I told you that I would give you the, the three different ways, the main three different ways that uh, the Bible would speak of, of fear. And I think this is helpful if we're actually gonna be able to identify it in our lives. Okay? The three different ways that Bible talks about fear. Fear is used in a good way sometimes. Meaning awe and reverence to God, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. That's in the Proverbs. To say that if you actually want to know anything, it's got to start by going to the one who knows everything because he created it. Fear of the Lord is biblically viewed as a good thing. It's an acknowledgement that, whoa, okay, I see you. You are holy. You're above anything else. You're unlike anything else. You are are holy, set apart. You're unlike anything else I could ever fathom. It's the reason why in the Bible when people have encounters of God, where do they end up? Right? Right? They're left on their face and they're left trembling. So with that understanding, I would really just caution us from making overarching statements that fear is always like this. Like fear is always, always just a spirit, right? By definition, if that were the case, 
the fear of the Lord would be a bad thing and it would be inspired by a demonic spirit. And that's not true. Fear is also uh, communicated in the Bible as a sinful human response. Right? We see that with Adam and Eve in, in the garden. As Adam and Eve had sinned um, and uh, they're in the garden that says in Genesis 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees and the garden. But the Lord called and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, but I was, I was afraid. So it's important to recognize that this was not mentioned until after sin had come into this, this world. So it is a result, of, a result of sin. It's something that keeps us, keeps us from deeper relationship with God. Right? It's a human, a human response, a fleshly response. And so... We recognize fear is uh, communicated in the Bible as a human, sinful human response. And also, fear is a sinful human response that the enemy uses to keep people away from God. Nowhere in the Bible does it give Satan the power or authority to create something. You don't see it. And so he has to use what's already been created and what's, what's already there. And so he's simply using this fall of man and he's using every aspect of sin to get in our life, to keep us from closeness with, with God. So there's fear in a good sense, there's fear in a negative human response, and there's fear in a negative human response that is prompted and promoted by demonic spirits. And so as we would live our lives this week and as we would look towards the promises that God has set before us, we want to just evaluate the steps that we're taking. Number one, are, are we taking steps? Number two, do you, do you have the fear of the Lord in your life? When you look at Jesus, is he holy? Is he set apart? Is he different from everything else? And do we have sinful responses in our life that are going to keep us from deep relationship with, with God? So, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help just illuminate our lives. Right? Show, us, show us the things in our lives that we need to lay down. If there are any aspects of fear, that we would lay them down and we would submit to your ways. God, if it's brought on by an evil spirit, we just declare that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And that's got to go. And it's got to go now. And so we just flexed that muscle um, in the name of, of Jesus. Father, I pray for your encouragement and all your people, people this morning. Help us to just keep your promises in sight. Help us to keep stepping. God, empower us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 
Hey, thanks again for tuning in with us today. I really do hope and pray that this message has been transformative in your life to help you to take steps in relationship with Jesus. If this has been a blessing to you, there are several things you could do in order to give honor where honor is due. Uh, We would love if you would give us a like, go ahead and give us a subscribe, go ahead and share us, tag us, uh, quote us, do all of those things in your social media feeds. We would be so blessed by that. If you have any more questions or need any more information about who we are, what we believe, or if you'd like to give towards the forwarding of ministry here through Rise Church, you can do so at www.risechurchid.org. God bless. Have a great week.